Hey guys, if you want updates on our latest episodes, then be sure to subscribe to the Film Colossus podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, if you'd like to support the show and hear episodes ad-free, then subscribe to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash filmcolossus. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Mientras trabajas duro por el éxito de tus hijos, algo que no ves los puede estar afectando. Se llama estrés tóxico. Es la manera en que el cuerpo de los niños responde a experiencias difíciles. Aprende cómo ayudarlos en first5california.com. Start the clock. You, the one with that smile, yeah. Come over here for a while. Hey, girl, do you hear what I say? I don't have time to be waiting all day. Just believe My name is Travis B. My name is Chris Lambert. Welcome to Film Colossus. Your guide to movies? <laughs> <laughs> Our energies were really combating there. Like I was going real slow and dramatic and you were like, I got to get this out. It, it was my first time doing this half of the intro. Yeah. I was just like, what do I, and the second time that we've done it in general. So it's just like, I, I got to ask, do how say? do you think it's going so far? I feel, I feel like that had a lot of power. I think once we like stick the landing on it, <laughs> Once we're just like Olympic level yeah. duets, it is going to be just like powerful. It's going to be something that gives people like raises the hair on their arms. I completely agree with you. Uh, today, we've already wasted 45 seconds of our time. So we got to get moving. We have 40 minutes to talk about the movies we watched this week, which as I say that out loud, sounds like an absurd amount of time. <laughs> like that's plenty of time. But for us, I feel like we're going to be going right down to the wire. Yeah, every every time. It's just going to be something where somehow we manage to, I mean, right now is a perfect example. Absolutely. And people keep a, an eye on your clocks because if we ever do go over on time, <laughs> we're going to start adding that time up and receive some sort of punishment once we've gone, what did we say? 30 minutes over time? 30 minutes over time. All right. God, I feel like we're already close to that. Um, yeah. So here we are. We're going to talk about every movie we watched over the past two weeks since our last episode. Um, we're going to list all the movies. We're going to talk about our favorite movie, uh, each of our least favorite movies. And then at the end of the episode, we're going to reveal what movie we'll be covering next week on the show. That's right. Uh, your list is longer than mine. Do you want to start or should my shorter list? Uh, kick yeah, I'll, off? I'll jump in. Um, okay. so since you and I last talked, we talked in January 4th, but the episode released on January 5th. So I think, I guess it's everything we've watched since we last talked. Mm -hmm. Um, I have watched 14 movies in 14 days. I consider that uh, right on par with where I want to be. Um, Beautiful. And the 14 movies I watched were, in order chronologically, were The Big Combo, an old film noir, Resident Evil Afterlife, the fourth Resident Evil movie where Paul Davis Anderson comes back to the show, Terrifier 2, I can't wait to talk about that one, Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. I had watched the first one recently, so we just get to the second one. Uh, Bend It Like Beckham. Never seen it before. My wife loves it. Pale Blue Eye. Snore. Megan. <laughs> we talked about that on the show already. The Menu. John Wick. 
we wanted to watch the John Wick movies because the new one's coming out soon. Uh, the front page, an old slapstick comedy kind of thing. It was like the original His Girl Friday. Nobody knows any of the words I'm saying. Uh, Notting Hill, a romantic comedy starring Julia Roberts and Hugh Grant. Friday the 13th, which I had never seen before. Crazy. OG. Yeah. Uh, Drive My Car, which I'd always been interested in watching. And Aaron Brockovich, Soderbergh. What a range, like an absurd range of movies. Uh, what was the oldest of those that you watched? Uh, the oldest one would be uh, the front page, which is like 1931-ish. And what was the newest? The newest, I guess, would have been Terrifier 2. Yeah, man. You go in classics, rom-coms. Let's see. And I'm, of those, there were only four rewatches, so 10 new movies. Whew. I'm curious what you thought about bend it like beckham yeah i really enjoyed i mean this is this is uh, an open forum this part of the show you can ask about any specific one you want chris i can give some short answers yeah yeah, yeah. Um, cuz i feel like that's not going to be one of the ones you directly expound on no like th- that that wouldn't be like the best movie i watched this week or the worst movie i watched this week it's like right in the middle um yeah i really enjoyed it it's like it kind of has that do you ever watch disney channel original movies <laughs> No. You didn't watch like Brink and like Alley Cat Strike and stuff? No, the only one I think I ever saw was Dig, but that was like a theatrical or oh, Holes. I don't holes. Do... Holes doesn't count. That's not a Disney Channel original movie. It's not even a Disney Channel movie? I don't think it is actually. Okay. Um, although Shia LaBeouf was in a Disney Channel original movie called True Confessions. <laughs> but that doesn't anyway. sound like it should. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I really enjoyed it though. My, it, it's a movie I've always known my wife loved and watched a lot as a teenager, and we've always talked about it. Um, we even play the, you know, that game Framed. Um, it's like mm-hmm. Wordle for movies. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it shows you a frame of a movie, and I showed yeah. my wife the first frame. Like, do you know what this movie this is? And she instantly knew it was Bend It Like Beckham, even though it was just like <laughs> a nondescript picture of like nothing. Um, so I'd always been interested to watch it, and it was a fun time. It's always fun to watch like that kind of movie of somebody who really loves it. Like I feel like it becomes infectious and, and makes it more enjoyable. I remember watching it years ago. I think I had just had ACL surgery, mm. and I was just looking for kind of feel-good, positive movies, and it was one of the ones <laughs> on Netflix at the time, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And I remember finding it very charming, and liking it a lot. I always conflate that and She's the Man because they just both involve <laughs> soccer. Uh, she's the Man is not... At, you know what? She's the Man is enjoyable. Channing Tatum's in that one and Amanda Bynes hadn't gone completely loco yet. So, like, it's enjoyable. Yeah, I liked She's the Man a lot. So, I always, like, those movies are always kind of connected in my mind. Yeah. Uh, were there any others on that list you want my thoughts on or... Uh, <laughs> Notting Hill was that a first time watch or a rewatch? <laughs> it was. Have you seen that? No, no. I just the have the movie poster like yeah. burned into my mind for some reason. <laughs> uh, I had never seen it, and I had a little trouble getting into it at first. I was like, "What is this?" It's a very, it feels stale at first, like it feels airless, and I don't know. That is generally just the aesthetic of it. I think it's like it's very it steeps. And I eventually realized like it's a very melancholic movie, so it's very purposely done that way. And it took me a bit to get into it, but once I settled into it, it was 
truly a unique movie, like especially for a rom-com that came out in like 99, 2000. Like all those movies feel the same. This one felt very different and honest. And again, very melancholic, which I like when movies are sad and shit. That kind of, uh, oh, God. the guy from Scrubs. <laughs> Zach Braff. Yeah, what's the Zach Braff Garden movie? Garden State? Garden State. Yeah. I remember everybody like going wild for that movie and it took me a long time to finally watch it. Like I don't think I watched it for the first time until like 2010, 2011. And just being like, "Oh, I didn't realize this was going to be such a, a sad movie." Yeah, or like right. a m- melancholic movie. Yeah, hmm. I'll have to watch that one again someday. I I remember watching it because like everyone loved it and not being super impressed by it at the time. But I would say my tastes have changed quite a bit in 17 years. So. <laughs> yeah, I I would imagine just a little <laughs> bit. But a good rom-com sounds good. I tried watching some of the, the Tom Hanks rom-coms, like 90s ones, oh, yeah. uh, a couple years ago. And I was so blown away by how much I didn't like Sleepless in Seattle. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember really enjoying that one either. But you've got mail. He's still kind of an asshole. But you've got males tough because I would rather just watch the shop around the corner, which is what it's based on. There's a movie called the shop around the corner. It's a old Christmas movie of Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> That's <laughs> of course, <laughs> of course it is. That's just I makes actually, so much sense. But a slight little tangent really quick. I'm reading this book called, I was talking to Chris about it earlier, um, but I can't remember the name of it anymore. I think bad things are good for you. Or something like that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, along yeah. those lines. But it's talking about um oh wait, it wasn't in that book. It was a separate article I read. My bad. You should go check out the book though. Um and it was comparing the shop around the corner to You've Got Mail and showing how editing has changed so much in movies. And it and there's a scene in the shop around the corner where Jimmy Stewart's like standing outside of this restaurant and is gonna go in and talk to this woman. And in the original movie, there's like fifteen cuts. And then in You've Got Mail, there's like 160 cuts. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought yeah. that was crazy. That was like, oh, yeah. Like, sometimes I remember why I, I like settling into the energy of an old movie a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, Everything Bad is Good for You. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Is the name of the book. But yeah, that's a. I, I don't want to say it as kind of this like ultimatum that. <laughs> You're giving less, Hollywood an ultimatum. The, not even like. Maybe it's not even an ultimatum, but less cuts are better. But typically, I think that the less cuts there are in a scene, mm-hmm. the more trust it shows from the the I filmmaker. Know this about you. you what? I know this about you. Like you feel oh, this yeah. way. Yeah, I, like the less cuts, the more trust it shows the filmmaker has, and like the actors the choreography the more impressive it is to me in terms of the the blocking and the actual scene playing out because i know that they had to do it all in that shot and that can just be a conversation in a restaurant right or just a breakup scene in an apartment and the camera is just like on them talking on the couch there's something very powerful about the immersiveness of that which is one of the things we've watched a couple Lav Diaz movies where <laughs> he'll go like six minutes without cutting. Yeah. And it's kind of amazing when you realize he's Filipino. Yeah. And 
it's just like these aren't a lot of the actors and people he's working with aren't people that grew up going to act it like acting in school like going to college for acting like having these low-grade cre- uh, careers in acting that build up over time until they're like taking extra classes with teachers and getting like the best that Hollywood has to offer. He's working with people that don't have that same background mm-hmm. and it blows my mind the performances he gets out of them and the performances they give in these movies and these scenes where they can't hide yeah. via like the cuts and the editing it's like obviously in you've got mail like tom hanks and who is it meg ryan meg ryan of course the same two people in sleepless in seattle yeah um it's not to say that they're like of course they're like wonderful like highly skilled actors but it's just i don't think the movie does them justice by having that many cuts yeah Mm. do you know the other meg ryan tom hanks movie uh I'll have what she's having. <laughs> That's right. All right. Um, now, Joe versus the Volcano, which I've never oh, seen. Oh, I always meant to watch that because I like volcanoes, but. Yeah, that's right. I'm not like a big Tom Hanks person, so. Well, can you handle the volcanic activity of their love? <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready for it. <laughs> All right. That's enough about what I watched. What'd you watch, Chris? Okay. I watched uh, White Noise. Oh, yeah. The. Noah Bombach Netflix movie based on Don DeLillo. Um, I want to say of all the people with a podcast, I'm probably in like the top five Don DeLillo fans. <laughs> well, you're so a top f- five Don DeLillo fan, period. So yeah, probably with people with podcasts as well. Yeah, probably. Though I feel like everybody that has like an NPR podcast is pl- probably fuming at that. So they're just like, oh, how dare yeah. you? You should go to battle with them. <laughs> uh, and then I watched Megan, which you know, we talked about, of course, on our previous episode. Uh, the Pale Blue Eye, I also watched. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Oh, yeah. um, and then Knives Out was a rewatch. So of those, uh, there was one rewatch, which was Knives Out. The original Knives Out. The original, the OG, the okay, 20. And you like that movie, right? I like that movie. I mean, everyone likes that movie. I say that like I'm accusing you of something. Everybody likes Nice Out. Yeah, you're the one. Yeah, you're I'm the, the only one who you're does. The, <laughs> you're the weird one here. Don't it's gaslight true. me. It's true. Um, yeah, I feel like I want to ask about The Pale Blue Eye, but I also feel like you might be talking about that movie soon. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? 
Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank member FDIC. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep, the application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. Just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. And I would ask you about Terrifier 2, but like, I'll be talking about it soon. Oh, so. Terrifier 2. I forgot to name that. Terrifier 2, too. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, are there any, any in that bunch you want to expound upon at all before we move on? Yeah, I guess it would be White Noise. White Noise. Okay, yeah. I guess that's the one. I mean, you're a Don DeLillo fan. Yeah, I was excited. So there's one other adaptation of a Don DeLillo novel uh, that's Cosmopolis Mm -hmm. that came out in 2011, I believe, starring Robert Pattinson. It was one of like Pattinson's, maybe it's 2012, his first post, uh, what are they called again? I want to call it Breaking Twilight because of Breaking Dawn. Yeah, Twilight movies. And I think he's marvelous in it. And I think it was a good sign of where he was going to go post twilight. Uh, but it's a very weird movie. It's very stylized. It's Cronenberg, but it's like low budget Cronenberg. Yeah. And a lot of the movie takes place in a limo and some of the aesthetic choices or like, like visual effects are kind of like weird, but there's this amazing final scene that's Robert Pattinson and Paul Giamatti just going at it for 20 minutes via dialogue and really getting to like showcase uh. their acting. It's one of my favorite like climactic stretches in a movie. Uh, but it's a very weird movie because of Don DeLillo's writing style. The dialogue is very staccato, very stilted, very unreal. You mm. can tell that it's a little hard for the actors to get into the flow of the conversation which has been kind of a criticism of DeLillo and his novels like from the get-go. But yeah. um, White Noise, it was very similar, which was striking because like Cronenberg and Bombach are very different filmmakers. And yeah. it's a very different story. It's a like, small-town life, uh, which a little heightened. Like It's getting into mortality and uh, a fear of death and how this affects this couple but the dialogue in the movie is still very staccato very stilted it sounds like the exact characters from cosmopolis which was kind of (laughs) funny um but as like visually interesting as the movie could be it was just like so supremely boring to me oh wow that it kind of fell like very very flat Mm. uh, which i didn't expect because i was pretty excited for it it's like the performances are fine like good concepts and i don't know if it's just maybe like if i were to read the book i'd maybe feel like the story in the book was a little like eh as well yeah but the movie just didn't do much for me at all interesting i feel like noah bombop can fall into that trap like he has movies that have deeply affected me like the squid and the whale and marriage story but i almost feel like those movies worked so well because they hit close to home on stuff had experienced uh, which is something i think he's really good at like capturing this very like 
domestic setting and just like all of the fears and joys of you know being with your family and stuff but i i do think he can settle into boringness <laughs> rather easily like i don't remember liking francis ha that much i'm trying to think what other bob Bach movies i've seen but that doesn't surprise me i guess yeah it was the first time i've ever seen uh greta gerwig in anything oh um, really yeah because i never watched francis ha and she was like kind of the best part of the movie to me she's great yeah yeah um i will say chris there are two other don delillo movies what um don delillo wrote a script for a movie called game six stars michael keaton i've never heard of this movie no um and then a movie called never ever came out in 2016 is based on the novel the body artist wait what it's one of my favorite novels well you should watch this movie (laughs) never ever 2016 (laughs) it's like a french movie that would be why i was following like the details of cosmopolis which was made in (laughs) like it was funded by somebody in portugal or there was all this drama around it too okay never ever yeah 2016 mystery romance directed by benoit jaco starring matt to american julia roy roy also wrote the screenplay for the film based on the body artist amazing well thank you travis we'll probably hear you talk about it the next episode yeah, I need to figure out how I can possibly watch this. <laughs> it can't be hard. These days you can watch anything. I'm going to have to be... Within seconds. Yeah, never ever just watch. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've talked about our movie diaries for the last two two weeks. Now we're going to talk about our favorite movies that we watched. And then... Yeah. And then after that we'll talk about our least favorite uh, so yeah. favorite should i go first yeah i know what your favorite is i think yeah, you, you know what mine is i do you're right um so my favorite was uh, this is going to be rare on the show because <laughs> i think i'm pretty stingy when it comes to handing out five star ratings for movies uh the last time i did it i got every time i start one of these sentences i know i'm just gonna like lose people but the last time i gave a movie five stars was uh flash gordon which uh a lot of people think is like a terrible movie but like i absolutely love it so that would have been two years ago and i think before that the last time i gave five stars was to magic mike xxl which came out in 2016 um so they're pretty spaced out so terrifier 2 is the is a five-star movie for me like i when I first started watching it, I was like, all right, I think I'm going to like this. Like, I know it's super gory, which I like. And people seem to be turned off by it, which is usually a good sign to me. Um, it, but I didn't expect it. Like, I didn't know if it would be great, basically. And so I started watching it and it started settling into a rhythm. I was like, all right, like, this is this is awesome. Like, I'm giggling at all the murder scenes because they're so ridiculous <laughs> and over the top. Um, and it just... As the movie kept going, I kind of had that like that creeping feeling of like, is this doing like what I think it's doing? Like, is it transcending above like everything I watch? And like more and more, it became apparent to me that it was doing that. And I would say once I've reached the final like forty minutes, because it's like a two hour, it's like a two and a half hour movie. Um, once I had reached like kind of like the final scene of the movie like the big final act like i knew that 
it was one of those movies and I was just like all in. Um, so yeah, Terrifier 2 was, I, I'm going to sound like one of those film critics you see on TV when they do the poll quotes. It was a triumph in horror, <laughs> an unequivocal triumph in horror. Uh, it's just doing everything I want movies to do. Um, it's both like stylistic, which uh, is most important to me, that it like is very bold in the way it is. And it's it's forceful with a, its aesthetic. It's very um, indulgent, um, unabashed in the way it carries itself, in the way Art the Clown is killing people, um, and how. But more importantly, I guess how all of that style relates to the central story at hand, which is Sienna and her brother. Oh God, I'm forgetting her brother's name. Is it Daniel? Um, no. Chris will look it up. Yeah. <laughs> I know you will. <laughs> I'm looking it up right now. Um, Jonathan. Jonathan, yeah. Uh, just how basically the, the story starts with Jonathan and Sienna are, are living at home with their mom and their father had recently committed suicide. And you're kind of watching them not directly deal with it, but like going about their lives, but you can see how it has affected them. And the movie makes it very clear quickly that like, Art the Clown has become this representation of of not just grief, but like trauma of of not understanding why this happened to you and having this sort of hole in your life that you can't fill because your dad's not there anymore. You can't possibly answer why this kind of thing happened. Um, but their whole journey with Art the Clown becomes that, becomes a symbolism of trying to not figure it out because you can't figure it out but managing it in your life and learning to live with this hole that will forever be there um and so every kill every time art the clown kills somebody it is a representation of like how people in your life are affected by your grief and your trauma as you kind of try to move through life and try to be normal but you're not and so it, it, there's such urgency and there's such drama to all of the killings that it isn't just like fun kills that are fun to watch. Like they're directly related to what these characters are going through. And it's this visual visualization of their trauma and the worse and worse their trauma gets, the heavier and heavier the kills become. Um, and I think the thing I love most about it is this is my nerdy reach here, but he's called Art the Clown and he is literally a representation of art he, he he represents what art means how these fantastic creatures can come to represent something these uh ultra ridiculous like over-the-top characters can just represent normal very real things in all of our lives and shows how we all deal with these things and how we come to terms with these things and how we learn to live with these things so he is literally a representation of art and everything he does is just like, it's an ode to the power of art and how powerful it could be. If there's something I could imagine people being like, well, just because the name's art, but in the film, the dad uh, was an artist and he has an That's entire right. like art book that Jonathan is kind of keeping to himself and hiding from the family. And it has these very dramatic, like really 
well done drawings and it ends up foreshadowing like in the notebook you see sienna eventually become this like this figure that's in the notebook and you see art the clown in multiple drawings so like art is literally art in the movie yeah yeah and the dad had seen the clown i guess he's drawing pictures of the clown so the it isn't just that, like, you don't have to stretch anymore to say that he's a representation of something. Like, this clown actually haunted the dad. He is literally the the symbol that is the link to, like, what drove this dad so crazy that he took his own life. And that's why Sienna and Jonathan are, like, so consumed by it and trying to understand it and trying to destroy this monster. Yeah. And the fact that their dad's an artist, like, Sienna is, like, designing. Like, she's yeah. creating art. And it's actually the costume that she makes that she uses to like battle, like in battle against art. So there's a lot of symbolism, whether yeah. like intentional or not, like it's there. Yeah. Oh, so absolutely love that movie. Uh, sorry, I talked so long about it, but I feel like I got to I got to talk about the ones that matter. No, absolutely. <laughs> I think it's something like I think it's something that if I were to talk about it, I'd just say like, oh, it was kind of slow for me. Like, yeah right right it, it didn't hit me in the same way that it did you but i can like i completely understand where like why it's appealing to you and where that's coming from like i ended up putting into my rankings i think in like the positives section because mm -hmm. there were some like good things it just wasn't quite my like pacing or aesthetic um but i did appreciate a lot of what it had going on yeah, I, I will admit that, like, I kind of like when people don't like the movies I really like. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, your thing. Yeah, that makes me love it even more. <laughs> um, and the thing that I think, I think the initial, like, arts funhouse or the clown cafe, whatever it mm -hmm. was, um, that was the first scene where I was just like, ah. ah. <laughs> I, I loved every second of that scene. <laughs> It was just like it, it rang like a little hollow to me. It was so oh, yeah. drawn out and long. It was, I was just yeah. like, okay. Uh, like, but the first like 15 minutes of the movie, I thought was like pretty brilliant. Yeah, the, the 80s feel. It's just like the 80s feel, like the introduction to art and some of the like the character introduction and vibe and everything. Like, it was feeling like very good. Yeah great movie um my top one uh also i ended up giving five stars oh baby um puss in boots the last wish i'm excited about this one yeah i uh i had no idea because i i'm not like a big shrek fan like i enjoyed mm. shrek i like shrek 2 like shrek 3 i thought was better than what some other people maybe thought but I've never been like a huge Shrek person. I don't make like inside Shrek jokes. I don't like <laughs> meme about Shrek on the do internet. You have friends in that do way. that. Uh, I know movie people that will like. They get excited about like Shrek references and Shrek humor. Sure, I'm sure. just like, yeah, yeah. Um, I never watched like any of the spinoffs. I didn't watch the first Puss in Boots. I had no plan whatsoever to watch this one. In fact, uh, discussing film on Twitter, like posted something in December that was like 
Puss in Boots is one of the highest rated films or getting some of the best reviews of like all of 2022. And I quote tweeted it with just doubt. <laughs> And was like very snarky about like the quality of Puss in Boots. And then I went to go see it because people voted on it as being the movie that I should go watch next and blown away, just completely like absolutely start to finish blown away. Um, it has like some of the Spider-Verse feel to it right. in terms of like that next wave, next level of animation. And it's not rotoscopic in a way, but just the way in which it's utilizing the camera mm. feels very fresh and very much something that only animation can do uh, rather than being as like having the same fidelity to the standard like filmmaking methods. So there's like a lot of great visual like aspects to Puss in Boots. But the story is what like the story and aesthetic really like landed for me because i had in 2020 i had a existential crisis for the first time i was listening to kid a at like three in the morning just because i usually listen to an album or audiobook before falling asleep and in the middle of that album which is a very like kind of sad album oh yeah uh, like it's heavy it's haunting like people talk about is like kid a one of the most haunting albums of all time kind of thing and in the middle of listening to it, I felt like what it meant to die. Like yeah. it, just, it was like a switch went off in my head and I was like, oh, this is what it means to like no longer exist where you lose like all sense of perception, all memory, all thought, all feeling, all future, all potential. There was just this like sudden emptiness I felt in my chest mm. that was horrifying. Like I couldn't fall asleep. I cried like it was like really sad it's yeah. causing me to tear up now even like thinking back on it <laughs> and it kind of haunted me for like a year and a half um where i was like trying to distract myself before going to bed it was a very like long battle to kind of like work through that cope with that like figure out some feelings on it uh, which included even going back to therapy so it's like a, a dramatic thing and to see a movie that's like supposed to be a kid's movie get into puss like the titular character having a existential midlife crisis relating to death and what it means to die and fearing for his life mm. leading to panic attacks and like loss of esteem and loss of identity and the way in which they portray death through this character of the wolf it's amazing it's like yeah i can't i don't know of another movie that's handled this kind of story in such a way that's like dynamic emotional interesting fun but like timeless like did it feel like a kid's movie to me mm -hmm. but it had like some of that energy of course but it was funny it was smart like every scene just felt dynamic and didn't overstay its welcome like it kept moving and I, that's something that I really appreciate. Like I can know that like plot points are coming. Okay. Like the opening song of this movie is Puss singing, um, which call it like I'm a fearless like legend or something. It's like okay, he's gonna be, he's gonna lose his fearlessness. Mm -hmm. But it's just so dynamic going through it that I was just so pleased. And John Mulaney is amazing in it. <laughs> so. Is he the? Uh... 
what is he again he plays this character jack horner who i guess mm. is from some fairy tale where he like puts his thumbs in pies <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like a little like a little yeah. he, pie he's boy the little, like sidekick no, he's the villain. Oh, he's the villain. Oh, okay. Yeah, he goes from like this little like roly-poly boy that likes to eat pies to being this like big badass dude okay. who wants to just like hurt others. Yeah. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. Yeah, I feel like a lot of what you're describing is what Pixar aimed to do early on. Uh, maybe it wasn't always super successful at, but dealing with these very heavy subjects in a little, in a light way, in an effortless way, um, and allowing, like, still being a fun cartoon, like, still going through all these motions that makes a movie entertaining while hitting on something deeper and more profound. Yeah, definitely. All right. But Pixar. I, I will say that I remember the first time I saw the Puss, Puss in Boots trailer, I was kind of like, oh, is this because I, as much as I remember enjoying the Pixar movies, like I've seen bits and pieces of Pixar movies I used to love here and there. Like they definitely don't hit the same as they used to. And I can't say like, I really care for animation at all. Like it's just not a genre I get that excited about. Like Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is one of the few like I have loved in recent years. Um, but Puss in Boots, when I saw the trailer, I was kind of like, all right, this." It, it was making me laugh a lot. I was like, I, I would watch this. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's fantastic. And I haven't been a fan of recent Pixar movies all that much, or even like, I know Disney has been like, having a lot of hits but i also feel like disney has maybe gotten like a little bit formulaic and mm. dreamworks has had some movies that i really liked in the past in the animation departments um how to train your dragon was like the first one was pretty impressive to me and the first kung fu panda but i feel like all oh, turbo was pretty good too rise of the guardians was also pretty good Man, they've had they've had some good ones, but like the recent <laughs> string of DreamWorks movies, Penguins of Madagascar, Home, Trolls, Ooh. The Boss Baby. Maybe Boss Baby's better than I imagine, but it wasn't appealing. Like The Crudes, A New Age. No. So with them making Puss in Boots: The Last Wish, I had, I was just like, well, DreamWorks isn't Pixar. It's not Disney. Is this going to be that good? And it was. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna do it eventually. Yep. All right, now time for my favorite part of the show where we talk about the least, the worst movie we watched this week. Yeah, do we uh, have the same one? I feel like I should have the same one as you for the sake of saving time, but technically I hated one more than the one you're going to do. Oh, what what's yours? Uh, I feel bad because like this is a movie I know people really like, and this I guess it's just the same old story for me it always is. I always don't like the movie everyone seems to like so much. <laughs> I really, really, it, it's funny because after I first watched it, I was like, ah, eh, like I didn't really enjoy that, but like there was some good stuff about it. And as I've thought about it more and more, like I really hate it. Uh, and that is the menu. Oh, wow. I, uh, 
there's a kind of movie I just like have a very visceral negative reaction to where it's like it's I don't mind satire like satire making fun of stupidity like that's fine but like sometimes when it's done with a certain kind of energy it feels gross to me and overtly cynical in a way that like doesn't vibe with like the way I am and the way I look at the world and the menu to me was kind of that like I understand everything it's doing I understand it's a commentary on class uh, a commentary on like art and passion and how society can change the way your art and passion is viewed like there's all this stuff there that's profound and like interesting to talk about but every avenue it goes down to talk about it to me feels gross feels just super negative um not very honest very cynical just i hated all the characters like i don't mind if a movie has characters that are bad people like that that's a recipe for like talking about social issues in a way that i think could work but all of these people are just presented in awful ways and there's nothing interesting about them other than just how terrible they are I, everything about the movie just felt off to me and that i was supposed to just be like laughing along and like laughing at these stupid rich people like steep in misery and i just like i never enjoy that kind of movie um so this movie both felt ugly and empty to me and so it's down at the bottom yeah, that as I had my initial like surprise, and then as soon as I was like, oh, I was like, oh yeah, because and for everything you said, there is like an innate cruelness to it, uh-huh. which I've learned very recently is something that just has no appeal to you. <laughs> which is funny that then like Terrifier too. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? But but there's like a degree of redemption in Terrifier too, I guess. Right. Or like it's so over the top that it's hard to just like the the negativity feels almost like wink wink. Totally. There I think there's nothing but joy in Terrifier too. Like even when people are being killed, like I get what it's doing. I get the more profound statement it's trying to make. Yeah, where it's like you already get the statement and then everything's just kind of cruel and like the payoff and there's no real like interconnect there's no like with Terrifier 2 you have Sienna and Jonathan and like them as brother and sister like dealing with this and like working through their issues and you don't really have that bond or that positive like hopefulness in the midst mm. of the menu like you have uh what's her name Margot or yeah Margot yeah the main uh character on taylor joy yeah kind of having like a little bit of a dynamic with uh the chef but force dynamic yeah yeah (laughs) i just i don't know that whole movie too like part of the reason i really hated it was i thought it was doing something for a long time and i kept giving it chances like as it was going i'm like all right this is like well paced like there's some interesting ideas here i like that they're showing like the menu items like it was having fun i was into its energy but as soon as i locked into like kind of the cruelness of it i had i had this moment of like all right like it's gonna do something at some point like there's gonna be some twist some reveal there's going to be as you said some sort of redemption like something's gonna twist at some point that makes it more than just like rich people suck 
but it never does. And the whole thing between Margot and the chef, like, I don't, I honestly don't understand, like, what they're even trying to say with that. Like, maybe you know, Chris, because you wrote the movie guide, but, like, yeah. I, I wasn't extracting anything, like, very deep that where I had this mode of, like, oh, like, it's clicking. Like, I was trying real hard and nothing was hitting to me. I mean, you might be curious if reading it, the movie in a, a way of that it's a commentary on art or on Hollywood and with the chef as like a filmmaker that's been like sucked into the system mm-hmm. and like the menu that he's making being more of like the kind of procedural movies that are made versus like just making the cheeseburger kind of movie. Is that what, like, is that what you wrote? Is that what you think it's doing? it's an aspect to what's going on. There's definitely like, I think a criticism of the entertainment industry in there. Interesting. Yeah. That is kind of a part of the movie. I will say if that's what the movie's doing, it makes me like it even less. (laughs) I can't stand when movies are just like super loose, uh, allegories for something like maybe there's some connectivity there between that and Hollywood, but like, I'm just supposed to watch this movie about a chef, but also just, know that the chef is representation of this other thing. I don't know. I, I hate when movies do that. How's that different than like art, art, the clown representing like uh grief in the grief. Because those sayings are like, I guess grief is so intricate. It's, it's such a part of that movie. Like, I guess Hollywood, like, uh, yeah, like it kind of reminds me of when you talk about like killing them softly or something like representing the financial crisis. Like, I would just kind of look at that and I'm like, how is that the best approach to this? Like, can't we become more intimately entwined with the subject? Yeah. So if the more like disconnected the narrative of the film is from what it's commenting on, the less that works for you. So if you it's want actually like, commenting on that thing. Yes. Yeah. You want a little bit more of like a direct overlap there. To me, that's just like. That's like the most elementary, lamest way to cover a subject. Like there's nothing, I don't know how to get emotionally tied to something like that. Okay. I can see that. I mean, like Killing Them Softly being about the financial crisis, but it has like, it's a gangster movie that's like so far removed from like Wall Street and like any of the impact versus something like The Big Short, which is very much in the situation that it's talking about. Interestingly enough, the big short directed by Adam McKay, who produced the menu. That's the other thing I was going to say is that like there's lately these old like titans of comedy like Adam McKay and Will Ferrell and Vince Vaughn. Like they've been producing these movies that basically just talk about how stupid everything is. And I wish I could get on board with it, but I've really not enjoyed it. Like uh, Chris with the Campbells, uh, Vince Vaughn produced that. And, like, I get no it's supposed idea. to be a joke about Hallmark movies, but I'm, like, while I'm watching that movie, I'm, like, this is – I'd rather watch a Hallmark movie than this. Like, it, it's so <laughs> just, like, cruel and uh, just mean in a really boring way. I, that's my, like, review of all these movies. Damn. Okay. <laughs> all right. What do you got? I, I know I don't like the movie you're going to talk about. Yeah, I got The Pale Blue Eye. Yeah. Um, eh. I like it's it wasn't offensive to me. It's not right. like it's in a 
a bad category or I'm as upset with it as you were with the menu. <laughs> it was more of just kind of a a neutral to not that great kind of vibe for me. Like there is something cool and I did realize that I kind of missed a little bit of the the historical picture that's not just like straight up history but just sets in a time like that. I feel like we got a lot more of those in the 90s and 2000s than maybe at least what I've been watching recently. Mm-hmm. Like it's been a minute since I've seen like this kind of costuming, this kind of like setting with like the winter of upstate New York or wherever it's set. Right. Um so I liked the the tone of the movie and some of the like the vibe of it. It's just it completely took me out of it that Edgar Allan Poe was a character. <laughs> like I can't get over it. <laughs> I had no idea because I didn't know anything about it going in. So I just started watching it and suddenly it's just like they're talking about poets and suddenly Edgar Allan Poe is just right there. I was like, wait, Poe? Like, that's Poe. <laughs> is he going to do like Edgar Allan Poe things the whole time? And sure enough, he's just like poetry whiz, like investigative, like mastermind. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, it almost felt to me like, are they starting to like lay the groundwork for an Edgar Allan Poe like movie universe where it's just going to be I hope so this character going forward maybe that would make me like the movie more Um, like Christian Bale was just kind of like a a get you into the theaters like to watch the movie since it's not in theaters and then he passes the torch on to (laughs) what's the kid's name (laughs) oh the Dudley Dursley yeah, Dudley Dursley. Uh, and that's like where the series goes and like the franchise goes from there is like Edgar Allan Poe getting caught up in these like crazy events that yeah, then inspire yeah. all of the like poems and stories. Uh, I just found it like a tad bit cheesy. And I did like the mystery elements of it, um, especially in like comparison to Glass Onion. Where I was like, sure. oh my god, like, okay, thank you for just, like, an actual mystery. But it was still, like, a felt like maybe a little thin, like, not that climactic. And then rewatching Knives Out, I was kind of like, yeah, like, I'm enjoying what Knives Out is doing like, more than this. So yeah. it's like Pale Blue Eye, I could see it being a movie that surprises a lot of people. They watch it and they're like... Oh, you know what? That was it. That was a bad. I like that, um, but it just didn't do much for me. Yeah, I think in my rankings, I have it in the just plain bad category. Where like it's not like awful, you know? It's worse than mediocre, but it's not like offensive like the menu. It's just like this feels like an incompetent movie a little bit, like in the sense that it's just so boring, and it's so boring when it's so packed with interesting ideas about life and death <laughs> about <Damn>. like satan <laughs> and the occult uh revenge yeah just spirituality in general like all, there's all this stuff there but it's just a little too lame a little too drawn out uh a little bit too like dolting is that the right word Dol- when you like, dolt around <laughs> yeah uh it, it's just everything about it is it's just a sludgy movie. That's how I describe it. Sludge. Yeah. It, 
Uh, and then by the climax, I was like, this is it? <laughs> it was kind of surprising. I was like, so they're all like doing this together, but he doesn't know and he's willingly participating and okay. Just yeah. okay. Uh, I do love the idea though that there's like, it, this probably already exists actually, but like just history nerds love shit like this. Like the idea of like, uh, it's almost like fan fiction for Poe, you know? Like what yeah. if Poe like was a detective and like they're trying to make Poe sexier and really it's just like so lame. I, I mean, did you ever see 2012's The Raven? <laughs> I did not. It's uh, Luke Evans as a detective oh, in Baltimore. That's right. And uh, they end up like tapping into yeah they enlist poe to help in catching <laughs> like so there's a murder mystery and it's like oh this is inspired by edgar Allan poe's story let's go to edgar Allan poe and ask him how to catch the guy and it's just so bad yeah so it's like i had that in the back of my mind which maybe you would maybe you would like it who knows it's john cusack playing like edgar Allan poe <laughs> oh, yeah, and being that's right. like so over the top it's like an uh, like an elegant Poe that's like very confident and like I'm Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> God, I hope he says that in the movie. I'm Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> uh, I just found it like I don't like when they have Edgar Allan Poe in a as a character enacting like Edgar Allan Poe things. I think that's kind of the worst way to go about it. So. I thought it was better than the Raven, but it's still maybe one like a style of Edgar Allan Poe movie that's not like bastardizing Edgar Allan Poe's I think stories. You, I think you need to write this movie, Chris. Fine, fuck it, I'll do it myself. Uh, <laughs> okay, let's go ahead and stop the clock there. Well, we're at <laughs> the ten minutes and fifty-five seconds over. Yep. All right, I think that might put us over the edge. We may have to figure out what we're going to do as punishment sooner rather than later i i have an idea of what it should be <laughs> okay uh i like that we're not going to say what it is you'll just know when you see the episode title yeah i'll be like this is it this is what these fools have been hyping up <laughs> uh, i will say as much as i crapped on the pale blue eye i did write a movie guide for it if you want to go learn about all the deep wonders of that movie uh I, that's the one thing i like about doing these movie guides is like writing about a movie i don't like it's like a weird form of catharsis for me where like I kind of come to terms with it and I'm able to look at it a little objectively and realize what it's doing. Um, and by doing that, it kind of helps me hone my own um, likes and dislikes. Like, okay, I can see that a movie's doing this, but here is a reason. Here are the reasons I like all these other movies that are doing the same things way better. You know, it helps yeah. me like kind of understand what I do and don't like in a movie. It was uh, similar to me doing the Glass Onion movie guide. Yeah, like, I was. I went from writing like Glass Onion bad writing to then talking about like the themes and the motifs <laughs> and like yeah, it's it's saying some things and doing some things and I appreciate like those elements and it is cool how it like develops those things. Okay. Ugh, I don't know if I could have written the menu though. I couldn't do it. <laughs> One impossible. day. Yeah. One day. Anyway. Okay, we're at the end, right? Yeah, this is it. Uh, what do we want to tell people to do? 
This is um, the end. We have a Patreon. Oh. If yeah. you would like to join our Patreon. Uh, we don't have many benefits right now other than like you don't have to listen to ads. So if you want to support the show and not listen to ads, head over to patreon.com slash filmcolossus and sign up. Yeah. And we'll be eventually adding some yeah. more things relating to the podcast, like access to things, the website. So uh, yeah. you can also check out the website filmcolossus.com and see all of our in-depth movie guides. They're a lot more objective than opinionated, yeah. but also check out our rankings for oh, uh, movie years. So like you can see where we rank things for 2022 specifically or follow along in our 2023 rankings or just see our all-time rankings. Yeah. Um, and if you want to hear what we thought about any of the movies we didn't talk about, they'll be on the rankings eventually. I, I'm going to try to do all mine today, um, but we'll both get those up soon. Yeah. Getting those done ahead of the podcast. <laughs> well, I plan to do it today so that we'll be ahead of the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. That's a system, <laughs> Travis. That's a system. Um, and... Last but not least, we got to reveal the movie we're going to talk about next week. Oh, yeah. Do you want to say one, it? Do I want to say it? Yeah. Three, two, <laughs> one. The Magic Batman. Mike. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah. We're talking about the Batman. You got to wait another <laughs> another round of podcast episodes before Magic Mike hits. Magic Mike, the last dance. Yeah. February 10th, my birthday. Oh, wow. wow what a birthday. <laughs> I know. Shit. I knew you'd be jealous. Should have come out November 6th. I know. Uh, but the Batman, which I'm a, I'm a fan of the movie. You're <laughs> less so. So it'll be interesting to dive into it. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to watch it again. It wasn't necessarily that I thought it was bad, but it wasn't my cup of tea. But we'll see. Maybe this, this time it's my cup of tea. Maybe it's gancha tea. <laughs> gancha kind of tea? Gancha? <laughs> I think, it was, I, think I, I mixed ganja, uh, which technically you could make tea out of um and some other I kind know. of tea i just said a word <laughs> <laughs> being creative at the end of the episode i like yeah it. all right um and until next time uh, i don't i don't know what do we well yeah uh, well what are we gonna do i don't know we'll figure it out we'll figure it out all right bye got a big question to ask anything do you want to do At Merrill West Credit Union, we're working towards a brighter financial future for both our members and our community, knowing that when you succeed, we all succeed. That starts with a solid financial foundation. As a credit union, we have no stockholders demanding profits. Our commitment is to our members. Experience the difference with our Money Market Max Bonus Promotion, offering a cash incentive for letting us protect and grow your money. Merrill West Credit Union, working for you. Today, tomorrow, together. Merrill West Credit Union is insured by NCUA.